Welcome to the latest edition of the Carmichael Governance Podcast. I'm Dermot O'Carbui, CEO of Carmichael. Carmichael is a charity that provides supports to other Irish charities, particularly in the area of governance. You can find details of what we do and a wide range of free resources on our website at carmichaelireland.ie. You can also find previous editions of our governance podcast on our website or on your favourite podcast platform, be that Apple, Spotify, Acast. Today, I'm speaking to Neil Fitzgerald from Chartered Accountants Ireland about sustainability reporting and, in particular, how it affects the charity and non-profit sector. So you're very welcome, Neil. Maybe just if you might introduce yourself and particularly the role that you actually play in Chartered Accountants Ireland. Sure, dear Martha. Thanks for having me here today. I guess, first and foremost, I'll, I'll admit to being a chartered accountant myself. Um, although it's been a while since I've dabbled in the numbers. But my current positions in life, if you like, is I'm a non-executive director. I'm also co-founder of an Irish non-profit organisation. And I'm on a number of different advisory committees in my own time as well. And in my day job, I guess, is I'm head of ethics and governance for Chartered Accountants Ireland. And that role sees me engage with all things ethical, all things corporate governance, if you like. And that very much sees me stray into the whole area of sustainability, environment, social and governance in many different ways. At the end of the day, corporate governance is about how organisations are run and uh, how organisations are run sustainably is a big topic these days. And when we talk about ethics, we're talking about values and culture, doing the right thing. It's not just about what you do, it's how you do it. So again... It sees me encounter sustainability on, on a regular basis. This, again, seems to be a new area. And governance seems to be reaching more and more places in the business of running organisations. When I'm out and about meeting with nonprofits, I get that sense of weariness of here, yet again, is another requirement that we have to grapple with and try and understand how it impacts our organisation. Sustainability reporting is a relatively new concept. Um, how does it apply to, say, the charity non-profit sector? Or does it apply? Let me ch- start, actually, Dermot, by respectfully challenging that. Is it a new concept, really? I mean, we talk about people, planet, profit. We talk about sustainability, ESG. In terms of a terminology, it's actually been around since the 1970s, the Brundtland Commission of, of the United Nations. But even you go further back than that and you ask about, um, you know, why companies were incorporated, why charities were set up to fill a social need and a social purpose. That's all part of sustainability. So as a concept, I would put it out there that it's actually not new. What I would say, however, what is new is it's very much become mainstream. And it actually speaks to the dialogue of charities and nonprofits. What we're seeing now is private organisations, large listed companies, financial institutions, investors being kind of directed to consider purpose, social impact, climate impact, environmental impact, a purpose outside of just profit in terms of how they run their business, something that charities and non-profits have been doing for decades, if not centuries. So sustainability has been around. Yes. But now we're talking about sustainability reporting, which is sort of a a new requirement that's coming down the tracks, and and for some organisation, it's already in place. And again, it's people trying to get their head around that and and trying to understand, well, what does this mean? What does it mean for us? And again, I am beginning to try and get better informed myself about this whole area, but I come to think there are different reporting frameworks out there um, and a whole lot of sort of words like CSRD and ESRS and SDG and ESG. So sometimes people say, look, this is alphabetic soup. What are these frameworks? And is there a one one that we should be looking at, particularly for us in the, the charity and nonprofit sector? Yeah, the dreaded alphabet soup. Um, indeed, there are an awful lot of acronyms out there. And I'd say every letter of the alphabet is covered. And yes, there's a lot of noise around that. As sustainability has become mainstream 
And as regulators and standard setters and special interest groups have sought to kind of commoditize this or to streamline it, they've come up with various different reporting frameworks. And yes, you hear about GRI, Global Reporting Initiative, you hear about the TCFD in relation to climate disclosures, you hear about the Climate Disclosure Standards Board, CDSB. I'm just showing off now, Dermot. But yes, there are an awful lot of different reporting frameworks, and that was the problem. It was actually the solution, but the solution became the problem. Because organisations did not know what to report under, or were not sure what their investors needed to hear, or what their stakeholders needed to hear about, what was more important. Some of those frameworks preferred climate and highlighted climate as something to be reported on. Some of them emphasised social, anti-slavery, um, and various other kind of social needs. So, along comes the accounting profession in some respects, aligned with non-government organisations to actually consolidate all these reporting frameworks and come up with the kind of one ring or one standard to rule them all. And what you have now developed is the International Sustainability Standards Board, the ISSB, which are developing global sustainable reporting standards that will apply across the world. Dependent upon governments adopting them, of course, that has to be adopted into the legislative framework. More about that anon. Then from a European perspective, we have the European Initiative, European Commission's Initiative, to prepare European sustainability reporting standards that will apply across member states in Europe. That will become mandatory within member states. And that's where, here's another bit of, Alphabetic soup for you. The CSRD, the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, comes in because that's the requirement that mandates member states to implement this within their jurisdictions. And where are we at with that in terms of timeframes? Are we talking about, is this around the corner or is it still in, in, in discussion stage? Well, this podcast is very timely because as of the 31st of July, the European Commission finally approved Uh, the European Parliament, Trilogue as they call them, have finally approved the European Sustainability Reporting Standards. So they have issued, well, all 12 have issued. It started out as a much bigger project between the negotiations and and resource management. We now have 12 European Sustainability Reporting Standards, one of which is mandatory. The other ones are voluntary depending on the materiality. So if climate is a material risk to an organisation, then they will also implement the standard on climate reporting. If social issues or pollution issues are are material to an organisation, they'll implement those standards as well so they have just issued however we're talking here about the charity non-profit sector so what i'd like to emphasize is at this stage nothing is mandatory for that sector but what we will see is all these standards become mandatory for listed companies for large private companies eventually listed smes and eventually many years away dermot we'll probably see a kind of toned down version applying to smes in themselves where do charity non-profits get their funding they're relying on corporate funding These standards will force these larger organisations to consider where they're allocating their money, where they're allocating capital. So if they're donating capital to a charity or non-profit, they need to be able to demonstrate that they are meeting sustainable development goals. That's a very important point, because again, that sometimes might miss that. You see, well, it's not requirements, so therefore we don't have to worry about it. When I'm talking to non-profits and charities, you know, about different things they should be doing, like good governance, good reporting, you often get the thing, well, it's not really for us, or why should I go to that bother when I can get away with not doing it? So what would you say to those that are sort of, be saying, well, look, I don't really need to do this, or we haven't really looked at this and we don't plan to do it? Yeah, it's a very good question, Dermot. Why would a charity, non-profit organisation, allocate already limited resources to develop sustainable reporting within the organisation? 
Well, number one, I would say to that, Jim, is if you're seeking funding from the private sector or if you're seeking funding from the public sector, part of their decision-making process for allocating funding is the achievement of sustainable development goals. So if you have a large private company or a listed company out there that's looking to partner with a charity or they're going to engage in some fundraising and they're going to allocate some of that funding to a particular charity, they are accountable. Those larger organisations will be accountable for sustainability reporting and they'll have to be able to demonstrate that they allocate a capital towards organisations that are aligned with those objectives. So, So number one, the opportunity for the charity non-profit is it makes you more attractive to larger corporates for funding. Number two, in the public sector, we are all familiar with the value for money uh, measurement that the public sector applies in terms of allocating public funding to charitable organisations, non-profit organisations. But very much looking at the Climate Action Plan, looking at what's happening in the Department of Business, Enterprise and Innovation, uh, looking at what's happening in government departments, well-being in communities, climate action... All those metrics are becoming a more important part of decision-making for allocating public funding as well. So you'll have to be able to demonstrate what impact that public funding is having in terms of climate change, environmental issues, social issues, etc. Number three, I mentioned about charity non-profits being resource-constrained. Yes, they're resource-constrained in terms of money. They're resource-constrained in terms of human capital as well. So attracting the best people to work in the organisations, attracting the best people to volunteer for the organisation, attracting the best people to be part of the board. So a lot of people these days, in terms of choosing where they allocate their time, which is also precious, will be looking to make sure they're having a maximum impact. So looking at if I'm looking to allocate my time to a charity or a non-profit organisation, I want to make sure that I'm actually having the best impact of my time. So what's it doing? And looking at the annual report in terms of what they're doing from a sustainability perspective, that would be of interest to me and a lot of other people. Also mentioned about capital, we talk about financial capital, human capital, what about social capital? So charity non-profit organisations have a huge amount of social capital, but you don't rest in your laurels. You improve the value of social capital. That's reputation. That's the, the value to society by not just focusing on what your singular purpose is, but actually also considering that wider benefit to society, such as what's required by the charity SORP. So there are, I hope, enough good reasons for you as to why you should be doing it. Absolutely, I would agree. And I think what you really are trying to do is make it easier for people to make decisions that benefit you in terms of whether it's attracting funding or whether it's attracting human capital, as you say. So being able to demonstrate and be able to show how committed you are to these particular areas will make it easier for decisions that maybe go go your way, whether it's an individual deciding to join your organisation as a staff member, volunteer or on the board, or if it's a funder looking at making a decision of who um, we're going to support. So all about demonstrating what good you do, but also being able to show the difference that you're making. So, yeah, absolutely. If I could spin it like this, you know, you're holding yourself accountable not to comply with a standard or a requirement. You're holding yourself accountable to avail of opportunities. Absolutely. What sort of practical things should nonprofits be able to demonstrate? Charity nonprofits, again, have the advantage. They've been reporting on charitable purpose or their, their purpose for years. And both you and I are involved in the Good Governance Awards and we've seen plenty of good examples of social impact reporting. We've very frequently seen metrics in annual reports for charity nonprofits, such as you know the social return on for every one euro donation we've generated two euros in value or whatever whatever the return is. So we've seen the kind of social return on investment being reported in charities. Those sort of metrics are of interest 
to stakeholders, including donors, including contributors such as the public sector, who also actually have to account for the spending of public money in a sustainable way. So those types of examples are good. We have a reporting framework already for charities and non-profits. And, you know, it's called Charity SORP, Statement of Recommended Practice. Now, I'll acknowledge that that applies to certain charities of a certain size. And within the SORP, they're actually... If you, if you look at certain paragraphs of the SORP, this is where I get technical, <laughs> dear Mitt. So if you look at certain sections of the charity SORP, you have section 1.20, section 1.45, 1.46, 1.47. They talk about a charity demonstrating within its trustees report, illustrating the impact that it's had in terms of achieving its purpose, but also the benefit that it's had for wider society. That's an important one. I'd like you to unpack that a bit because yeah. it is there a requirement that you need to report on your purpose. And the charity regulator, again, would be in the governance code with them. What are you doing against your purpose? So reporting against that is already there. It is an already a requirement. And the other part of that is the impact or difference you're making for your, your beneficiaries. So. Yeah, and the, and, the impact, and the impact on wider society as well. So, I mean, what does that mean for a charity? Well, clearly... When you look at an annual return of a charity, you're going to see, depending on what its purpose are, they're going to see this is how we spent your money, this is the impact we had, this is the number of lives we impacted, the number of people. Here are some stories in terms of how we've how we can demonstrate how we've had a positive impact here in society. However, in achieving purpose, every organization, be it a charity or a private company, every organization has a purpose. And it's not just enough to go about achieving your purpose at all costs. There is a cost to society. Uh, There is an environmental impact on what we do. There is another social impact on what we do. So if you consider things like the gender pay gap, diversity, equity and inclusion, consider those as social issues. Charities are not set up, a lot of charities are not set up with that as part of their purpose, yet they've been very effectively reporting on how they've implemented diversity, equity and inclusion policies, whether they've got gender balance on the board, how their senior management team is made up, how they've got... Some, some, we've seen examples of some charities reporting on gender pay gap requirements. That's not part of a charity's purpose, yet they report on it anyway. Why? Because the stakeholders are interested. And it also demonstrates this important thing. It's not just about achieving their purpose, it's how they achieve their purpose. And it's not for us, I suppose, to opine as to what impact any charity nonprofit has on society... That just depends on what the charity does. Some charities will have a material will have a material impact on climate, perhaps driving around the country an awful lot, perhaps they're burning an awful lot of fossil fuels to heat their buildings or whatever, and therefore they might address that as a risk and they might decide, okay, we're going to do something about that. We're going to contact the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, we're going to contact other non-profits that specialise in climate change and advising us and the local enterprise offices, etc., to get advice on what we can do to reduce our impact on climate and carbon emissions. And that is a demonstration of a charity addressing how it impacts wider society. And these are sort of things that they should be doing anyway. You know, and, but a lot don't. A lot are doing things that they don't report. But it is getting that consciousness that there are things in that wider agenda that you, ju- you just mentioned that maybe beyond the purpose but have societal impact or societal uh, value. So like the diversity, um, li- like impact on, on climate. So that I think it's raising that consciousness that these are important things. And there's an expectation on us being in the sector to, to lead the way in some way in terms of talking about the initiatives that this sector is taking on those areas. But what we've seen, and as you mentioned, the Good Governance Awards, is that 
there's a weakness or there's a, there's a, there's a lack of understanding that this is an important part of your reporting, that, you know, showing the difference that you're making, but also showing what you're doing to improve the societal goals that, we, that you mentioned there. That's a very, very important part. So I think it's getting that mindset. We should be talking about these things. We should be looking at them. And then our annual report is a way where we tease out what we've been doing and the, the difference that we've, we've made. So it's an important part of it. So it's something that should be happening. And for some are already doing it or some are ahead of the posse and some other in terms of that they are looking at this in a more structured way. So this shouldn't be a big change for the sector. So the message I'm getting for it is something that no, no, and, and, and you've you've hit on a key point there for me, Dermot. In in terms of a lot of like, I don't want to promote the sector. I'm involved in the sector myself, but a lot of people get involved in this sector because they want to do good, and usually they focus their energy in an area of the sector that they have themselves have been impacted in their lives or an area that actually appeals to them because of some past experience or something like that. So, so what we're talking about here is wholesome, traditionally va- people with values that want to do good. But what we're talking about here is they're doing it anyway. And what the reporting frameworks are trying to do is like any reporting framework, be it financial reporting or any other type of reporting, what is it trying to do when, you, when you're asked to fill out a form to report something, it's looking for consistent information so that you can compare different organisations so that somebody, somewhere, can make a decision as to whether they want to volunteer for that charity, whether they want to donate that money whether for that charity, whether they want to be a beneficiary of that charity, whether they want to work for that. So somebody, somewhere, is making a decision based on the information you report. So they are relying on that information. All reporting frameworks do is they establish parameters that guide organisations in terms of how you report, how you should measure. And then you have another important element of reporting, which is assurance. And we're not talking about external audit here, which is it is part of assurance, but let's focus on the internal assurance. So how do boards get comfortable with what the organisation is saying about itself? How do management themselves get comfortable about what they're saying about themselves? And how do, do the people doing the measurement Get comfortable that what they're measuring, they're measuring things in the right way. That's what sustainable reporting frameworks are about. They provide us with frameworks to achieve that. And what I'm getting, and it's an important point, is that this is not a separate report. It should be incorporated into your annual report. It should be part of the messaging that you give out when you're you're preparing and saying, this is is our look back at what we did last year. This is the initiatives we're taking, and these are our plans for the coming year and coming years. So it is. It isn't that this is a separate report. It is something that needs to be incorporated into what you're doing already, and put a bit of structure and a bit of definition around it. And that's the sort of thing. Is 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 when earlier, you know, you said that we're now getting clarity that there's going to be one key standard that the EU are going to implement that will be any organisation working in the EU will will report to the standard. Is that is, is that correct? I, I, I need to be careful because the ESRS, European Sustainable Reporting Standard, will apply to listed companies, large private companies, and eventually listed SMEs. We'll draw a full stop there. So I want to be clear. So charity non-profit sectors are impacted by those reporting standards because of their place in the value chain. Okay? In terms of an actual sustainable reporting framework applying to charities and non-profits, of course, knock yourself out. You can voluntarily adopt the ESRS. I think what I'd encourage charities to do is start looking at their impact on areas outside of their charitable purpose that benefit wider society. Climate, social, governance, ESG. And start reporting on those in a format. At the moment, the best format for that is really the charity SORP. And all that simply says is 
include some information about it in your trustees' report. However, I would encourage the charity non-profit sector to go about that with some, some form of rigour. So if you're measuring carbon emissions, that's a very technical thing. How do you go about measuring your carbon emissions? How much resources do you allocate to measuring your carbon emissions? And I'd actually bring you right back to a decision of the board. Do you even need to invest resources to measure carbon emissions? Or will you just look at your ESB bill and have a look and see what carbon you've consumed? And I think that's an important point because most of the charity organisations are tiny. And so going out and doing measurements of carbon emissions may, may be over the top, but it is simple things. How can we be more efficient in our use of energy and our fossil fuels? And I think that's the conversation that's and thinking about it rather than saying, oh, we won't get into this because we, we have to go and measure our carbon emissions. But it is that. Don't go mad. Think about it. OK, we do need to look at this. And what, what our contribution are we making in, in terms of proving the environment but i will highlight one thing there mate it's that dreaded word that nobody wants to be accused of in this space greenwashing so if you take the initiative that you said okay listen we won't apply the full rigor of how you measure carbon emissions but we'll report that we've reduced our emissions from x to y don't do that (laughs) okay (laughs) so so if you go down the path of saying you're going to go down measuring scope one scope two scope three emissions and i am getting technical you need to go down the whole path. Yeah. You can't just pick bits of it and like report it. like it. However, it's quite reasonable for any organisation to say, listen, we're not applying uh, ESRS 2, whatever, you know. Um, however, what we've done, explain what you've done, explain the outcomes of what you've done and, and the actions you're taking in response. That's completely valid report. You're not misleading. You're actually telling people, here's, how we, here's what we measured, here's how we measured it, here's what the results were. And as a result of that information, here's what we're going to do. That's very transparent and people are free to critique it, what you've done. Be practical initially and and look at what sort of things can you say or what sort of things should you be looking at? Because if you go the full Monty, it may may tie yourself up in knots and it may incur a lot of expense that is not good use of limited resources. But it is, look at the basic principles and say, okay, how can we be more energy efficient? Because there is a knock-on impact. If we're more energy efficient, not alone does it help reduce costs, but it also is adding a societal good in terms of improving things. Things like gender pay, diversity in the organisation, and diversity in its widest sense. What is it? that you plan to do, or what are you doing in this particular area? These are the sort of things you can start reporting. I was working on a report recently with an organisation who was was a sporting organisation. So they have a presence overseas. So it's an Irish sporting organisation with a presence overseas. And they had received government funding uh, to develop a sports complex in the United States. And they received some private funding as well. And reporting back in terms of the impact that this funding had. Yes, they built some pitches, they built a clubhouse, and got some equipment to promote the development of sport. But actually what really took me away was how they... It was planned all along, but the impact the report wasn't just in terms of promoting the, the values of the sport and healthy living and fitness that goes along with any sport, but also they brought in the whole diversity and inclusion aspect of what they had done. Because what they did was they invited locals in the area that they developed this pitch and clubhouse was in a kind of socioeconomic disadvantaged area. And they invited local teenagers and kids in to play the sport. It was an Irish sport. Got them involved and took kids off the street into a game and actually got them involved in the community. The whole inclusiveness of that and the impact of that paragraph alone in the report meant more to me. It's, it's adding another dimension, looking at another dimension of what you're doing. 
and, and, and the, some of the wider impact that that has. So you, if you're wearing those lenses and said, okay, we're, we're going to create this facility, but what else can we do in doing that that has a, a much wider impact? And so, that, and so I think having that mindset, sort of when we're looking at delivering our purpose, just broaden it out and see what other things can we do on, in terms of the ESG agenda that you, that you mentioned and, and talk about it. Because, again, just going back to our own organisation, we, you know, we, we're looking at diversity and equality inclusion policy. It's, until we start looking at metrics, it seems very aspirational. Mm-hmm. So we, so we, we have the intent but what are, are we actually doing to deliver on that intent? So I think sometimes you do need to put down specific targets as an organization to say, well, what are we doing? And you tend to go, the easy ones first get filled in. It's some of the more difficult, the more fundamental ones. Yeah. And I think having those discussions at board and in management starts that process and then say, okay, let's set out, let's put out our stall here. This is where we want to go. So we, we are in that process ourselves looking at, we thought we were great in terms of, our intent, but when I started putting those metrics in place and said, oh, we have a bit of work to do, and it's some of those will take a number of years to address um, because for various factors. But but I think it's the it's putting the intent into sort of objectives and targets that you review, and then putting it out in the end report and saying, this is the journey we are on. This is what we've achieved so far. This is where we want to get to. Yeah, and that's very valuable. By holding ourselves to account is not a bad thing. It's a good thing because that's how we get continuous improvement. How do we know how we're going to improve unless we account for what we've done? Have you come across some good examples of, you mentioned the sports organisation in the non-profit sector where some of some of the organisations are getting into this and, and getting more focused on about how they report on the sustainability agenda? Yeah, I think like, I've seen lots of very good examples and um, I, I've seen them through the lens in terms of my role in Chartered Accountants Ireland. I clearly deal with an awful lot of accountants who do an awful lot of reporting uh, so I see lots of good examples there, but also through the Good Governance Awards in terms of when we're assessing annual reports and assessing the quality of disclosures in relation to good governance there. Um, so, I mean, I, I can think of a number of different organisations right now. So, and, and I'm not going to go to the large the large ones, Dermot, because it's very, like, Trocra, Barnardos, all, they do fantastic work and they have global impact. And humanitarian relief and all the Irish Red Cross, all the work that they do is enormous and huge. And their annual reports are quite beefy in terms of demonstrating that impact. So, and they've got resources. But let me look at kind of the next tier down, the kind of, uh, not the small ones, but the kind of medium-sized charities, if you like. So if you think about organisations like Rethink Ireland, they're an organisation that has, has access to a fund and they allocate grants from that fund to other charity non-profit organisations are looking to do doing some sort of social benefit. Within their annual report, they've actually taken the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and they've held themselves to account against each of those 17 Sustainable Development Goals to say, well, look, in terms of allocating the capital, here's the goals that we've had an impact on based on the social purpose that the organisations are set up to do that we've given money to. I, I think that section of the annual report runs to about 30 pages. So it's quite significant and, and a huge amount of work went into that and it's enormously valuable. So that is the Rethink Ireland using the Sustainable Development Goals matrix, if you like, as a means to report. Admirable, but a lot of work. A lot of work, but also what it would do, if I'm listening to that, it would drive a lot of the decisions that are being taken by the organisation. So if you're reporting on that framework and you're accounting for what you've been doing in achieving some of those development goals, the actions need to start aligning with that. So, so a lot of their, their decisions now begin to be influenced by those goals. And that's it. And you have to ask yourself the question, who asked Rethink to do that? 
there's, there's no mandatory reporting framework that says they must do that. The board, obviously, and the leadership team, obviously made the decision that this is the right thing to do, let's do this. And they went about doing that. And I think it's great. I can point to other organisations, like I've seen Jigsaw, for example. They've included a section down your report about what work to do in terms of caring for the environment. Again, they're providing us an insight that they're thinking about their impact. Like Jigsaw are a, um, a charity looking after young people's mental health. They're not a charity set up to mind the environment, yet in their annual report, they actually are, cons- they, they are included. It's a small section, but it's, it's insightful in terms of the consideration of the impact on the environment. Likewise, you look at Jack and Jill, which is a children's charity, and they ha- include um, reporting within their annual report on gender pay gap, diversity and inclusion. Um, but they actually... Interestingly, Jack and Jill also include uh, information to report on uh, about their carbon emissions, and they've gone and measured their carbon emission, their, their output in terms of metric tons. So again, that's quite a, so. There are examples, live examples of charities, not the large ones, kind of small to medium sized ones out there doing this. So it's it's very achievable. And you mentioned that they're in the retaking example of importance of the board. Um, and are you seeing boards becoming more engaged with this whole area of, of, of you know, the responsibility and reporting that it, it needs to, the tone needs to be set from the top? Are, are you seeing the shifts happening at board level? I think we are, yes. And I think this is the value of a good board, which you can provide the lectures on, dear Mid. But you look at the boards of a lot of charities and non-profits, they're very diverse in terms of the insights that they bring in. They're bringing in professionals like, like accountants. They're bringing in experienced business people. They're bringing in investors. Uh, they're, and, and they're bringing in their representation of their beneficiaries so bringing in a lot of different mindsets to the board and and they're able to bring that sort of i suppose private sector experience to the table and you know if you're in the private sector sustainability reporting is like a big game in town if you like so they're bringing that experience in and this is becoming more mainstream you also just i mean if you're just looking at the tv and look at the ads and look at the amount of ads that actually are including some form of you know how their product is good for the environment why wouldn't charities and nonprofits be doing the same? It's like, yes, we're set up to do this purpose, but here's how we do it, and here's the benefit for wider society uh, that we had. There was an organisation not too long ago, um, seems like a long time ago, but Benefax, and that's what Benefax did, is, is it consolidated the charity nonprofit sector in terms of the capital, I suppose, spent within the sector. But what it also demonstrated was how diverse the charity nonprofit sector is and how reliant Ireland is, if you like, on the sector in terms of achieving a lot of the social goals or environmental goals that we have as a society. I think it's front and centre on people's minds. Very much so. We, we started a conversation talking about some of the, what, the technical stuff that was happening, but we've moved almost full circle to say that these are essentials of good reporting that you would need to be doing anyway, regardless if there was any outside pressure to come in. Come in. And, and the sector itself has a lot of advantages for being telling their story, showing their impact, and showing how they are influencing the wider debates that are need to be happening and that's the challenge for the sector they've got the most experience i think when you put them up against the private sector in terms of reporting on social impact however the whole area of reporting on social impact is fraught with challenges for somebody like me an accountant who's looking for veracity of information and you claim that this is the impact you've had you tell me a few stories and i'm saying but you've spent two million euros and you've told me the stories of four or five people you know, so, so there is a kind of a challenge there for the sector in terms of reporting social impact. And they're not alone in that challenge. There's a lot of different models out there. We've heard about integrated reporting. We've heard about social return on investment. 
we've heard of, I've come across this very, I'm still exploring this tool, it's called the Cambridge Value Mapping Tool. If you ever want to look it up, it talks about reporting in terms of the value, the value spent, the value lost, the, the value opportunities missed, and the value gained. It's, it's kind of reporting on value under a number of different headings, so that you can give an honest account. Because when you think about how we spend money, we're not perfect beings, we're not perfect organisations. We aim and our intent is to spend money wisely, but sometimes we spend money and it's been a waste of money. It's been a waste of time. That's value opportunity missed. And we learn from that and, and we move on. But so reporting under that context is interesting itself. But that's just one example of a tool. If I can bring it back to the international sustainability standards, and they give four headings to report under. And number one is governance. And a lot of charities and nonprofit organizations include an awful lot of reporting under governance already. But the reporting on the governance for sustainability is about the processes, the controls and the procedures that an organisation uses to monitor and manage whatever sustainability risks is exposed to. And that brings you to risk management. It's within the charity's non-profit organisation's gift to do a risk assessment. Well, what are the sustainability related risks that we're exposed to in terms of climate, environmental, biodiversity, pollution, social issues, whatever. And then the... Other third heading is strategy. And we've mentioned that already, Dermot. Boards come together and the leadership team come together to agree a strategy for the organisation. And what strategy these days doesn't have sustainability objectives in it? And then setting yourself targets to bring us to the fourth metric, metrics and targets. Setting yourself metrics and targets and holding yourself to account for them. Those would be the four pillars of the... It's been fascinating and, and, and it's been also very, very helpful, Neil, because again, people glaze over and think of, here's another thing coming at us or this is going to be more complex. But as you said, it is stuff that are, is already happening or should be happening for, for in every annual report. Just to wrap up, what would be your top three tips to somebody listening from the non-profit sector to this podcast in terms of that they may have heard about yeah, sustainability reporting or they may be dabbling in it or thinking about it? What would be your top three tips for, for, for the board or for the, for the CEO of, of these organisations to start doing or continue doing? I'm thinking of that viral gif or that viral meme that says stay calm and in something. So what I'll say first tip is stay calm, you're doing it anyway. Okay, so, so that's the first thing is, is actually just step back, look what the purpose of the charity or non-profit organisation is. You're certainly on the S of ESG, on the social, you're doing it anyway. Okay, that is your purpose. And when you look at the G in terms of governance, well, we've seen lots of good examples of good governance in the charity nonprofit sector with the Good Governance Awards, Dermot. So hopefully you're doing the G part good as well and you've got the charity's governance code as well. Not every charity might consider in terms of itself in the context of environment, but there is a reason that uh, a lot of standard setters are focused first on climate is because climate impacts everybody. You just as a charity or non-profit have to look at climate in terms of like, okay, what sort of impact do we... There's this concept called double materiality. What impact does the organisation have on sustainability objectives such as the environment? And what impact does sustainability objectives such as the environment have on the entity? That's, that's, that's the double materiality. So stay calm, you're doing it anyway. Two... Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Have a look at your annual reports. Have a look at opportunities to embed sustainability reporting within it. Acknowledge what's in the SORP, the current SORP already, although it's very high level, but make something meaningful of that. And the third key point I'll have is whatever you do decide to report, introduce some sort of rigor. Be aware of the risks of what you report, i.e. greenwashing. So make sure whatever you're reporting, whatever you're saying, you can stand over it. 
And I think that's that's what you're looking for. Yeah, I think that's important one as well. Just the tendency to over embellish or claim something that isn't real, and that will bite you in the bum eventually. When, you know, you know when the scrutiny comes on it. So again, this has been fascinating, Neil. Very reassuring, um, and hopefully, it sort of demystifies what's happening. And I, I would echo that a lot of these things you should be doing anyway and probably are it was a bit like the governor's code when that was hitting people, people panic and said if you look at 80 percent of the things you probably have already in place you, know, you just need to formalize and document that you're doing it and then the la- work on the last 20 percent same with the whole area of reporting we have a journey to go and part of that was the governor's awards is to try and raise the standard but also to provide examples of good reporting that's out there by recognizing those that are working hard to try and be better at communicating to their stakeholders so it's fascinating so thank you very much pleasure Dermot thank you thank you for listening to our latest Carmichael Governance Podcast we hope you enjoyed it if you did it would be of great benefit to us if you could give it a rating as that helps to create greater awareness of these podcasts so until the next time Slán Gofol Thank you.